Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of the Awake Asia podcast, where each episode I share topics surrounding health, fitness, entrepreneurship, and conscious living to help you live a fitter, healthier, and more purpose-driven conscious lifestyle. In this episode, Emily and I will be chatting with our good friend, Rebecca Capelli. Rebecca is an important ambassador and truth seeker of a plant-based and cruelty-free lifestyle. She shares about her journey from the corporate world to being a not-for-profit speaker and award-winning filmmaker. We also chat a little bit about the people she's worked with, how the plant-based diet has made such a difference to the lives of herself and her family, and how she is aiming to try and educate the mainstream about the impact of our food and fashion choices. Emily and I are proud to be a part of her film, Let Us Be Heroes, available for free to watch on YouTube. More about the film in this episode. Enjoy! Firstly, welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. I think lot has a lot has changed since our very first meeting at Starbucks. My goodness, that was how long? How long ago was that? That was two and a half years, I think. Two and a half years, and I remember you just arrived in Singapore from Hong Kong, and you were talking. We connected on LinkedIn, and you were just planning. You had so many big goals, and you've pretty much kicked all of them and your and more and more and more so how's your life been so far yeah thank you for having me it's always good to see you guys mm. so you know i'm really happy to be here and finally catch up also indeed um so how has it been it's yeah. been it's been a whirlwind really so when we met my big focus was to launch the corporate talks mm. right so talk to people in their workplace or in their school um, just to raise awareness and help people understand the impact of our food choices on our health, on our planet, and on our values, which is really when I speak about the animals. And I chose to do it this way because I find that when we speak directly to, about the animals to a lot of people, there's a lot of defensiveness mm -hmm. and, you know, people have their guard up. And so I chose to incorporate also the subject because for me, it's the same thing. We're talking about social justice. Health is a social justice issue. Uh, the planet is a social justice issue. What we're doing to the animals is a social justice mm -hmm. issue. And ultimately, we all, pretty much most of us, are participating in things that we don't agree with. So I, I just realized, okay, let me go to people where they work, do it for free, go to the <laughs> lunch break, and you know share that knowledge with them. And it's been going really well. So Basically, my goal was to reach about like 50 talks in about a year, year and a half. Um, and um, what happened along the way was that I realized even if I did this 50 talks or 100 mm -hmm. talks, I would reach 1,000, 2,000 people in mm -hmm. one year. And for me, that's not enough. So I, this is something that I always think about is scale. And Indeed. scaling the message, making it more accessible to more people. And so this is why I decided to turn to filmmaking. Um, because today, again, if you have a message, yes, I mean, you can write a book, but how many people are going to buy your book? Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're not famous, if you don't have a huge publishing house behind you, how mm -hmm. long is it going to take for you to write that book, get into the publishing circle, etc. Whereas you can, you know, make a film or start a YouTube channel and bam, it's already online and you're reaching more people already mm -hmm. like this way. 
So um, I'm not a YouTuber. I don't have any interest in doing that. <laughs> I don't have the patience for this kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, filmmaking came up. So that's how we, um, I came about and made uh, Let Us Be Heroes. Mm. And it's been received very well. Cool. Yeah, it has been received really, really well. And firstly, thank you very much for inviting us to be a part of it. Yeah. We are extremely honored to be a part of this production. And, you know, when you approach us for this idea that, hey, would you like to be a part of this film? I just say, yeah, it <laughs> seemed like a great idea. Like, okay, definitely want to support your course. But when the film, film was actually produced, we were just blown away. Yeah, we were so proud to be part of this. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and we have an IMDb page now. <laughs> Oh. Yes, you do. Yes. That's right. That's a first. <laughs> That's right. Um, one tick in the bucket list for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like you guys are super inspiring. And actually, I do have people when we do screenings, people come to me and talk to me about you guys and mm -hmm. say, wow, you know, the couple, the Singaporean mm -hmm. and the Canadian girl, like, wow, they're so inspiring. People laugh every time they, you know, they see your part and your story and it's everything is very candid and authentic. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really inspiring for people. Mm -hmm. I think you really brought that out in us as well. And I think Abby, the filmmaker, did a brilliant job. Oh, yes. And I think not just not just us, but I, speaking to um, Peter and oh, yeah, Vikas as well. Yes. Vikas was just like... Um, just full of knowledge. And Peter, I was very touched. Um, just Yes. Yes. It so is. Peter Hammerstead from Sea Shepherd, mm. just uh, yeah, sharing his backstories. I mean, he's yeah. got amazing story. He's been with mm. Sea Shepherd for 15 years, um, and he started, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's right. Don't quote mm. me, but like scrubbing the the deck, right? Yeah. And and then and then work his way up and learn everything about it. But he has this unwavering commitment mm. to the ocean and to the cause. And mm. at the same time, he's someone who is really accessible and really lighthearted and fun to be around. Yes. Um, and Vikas, I love what Vikas is doing with a billion veg. Uh, this is scaling up. There's more and more, you know, funds that are being raised to sanctuaries and charities. So this is these are all really inspiring individuals yeah that's what i found as well in singapore there's a, actually a lot of great things happening in the movement and a lot of key individuals that are really spearheading um change here like yourself vickers like michael, michael. brohead as well yes it's it's incredible it's quite a few of us and it's mm. nice to see what we've done over the past two years exactly it's know? just been two years i yeah. think mm -hmm. when we first had a chat with michael i had a chat with michael about him his idea about animal allies that was four years ago and now it's you know it's the the community has grown and and everything really has grown and i think that's the nature of singapore isn't it everything just happens so quickly because we're just so interconnected yes mm. yeah. that's true so i think maybe we could go back a little bit to your past and how you actually began this whole lifestyle to switch began this whole journey because i mean your corporate speaker your tedx speaker your filmmaker you're traveling the world doing films and rewind all yeah. the way back to how did this whole journey start for you? Yeah, so the funny thing is that when I was a student, my first love was journalism. I wanted to be a journalist. And because at that time I was also already learning Chinese, I was a Chinese-French interpreter very young. Oh, wow. Um, and um, I really wanted to live in China. And um, so media at that time, and I'm pretty sure it's... The, still the case, but media was one of these areas where foreign investment are restricted in China, um, just to, you know, for, for a number of reasons. And so basically here I was wanting to combine, you know, uh, journalism or media management and 
China and Chinese, and China took over. So basically, I decided to stay in China, but do something else. So my previous life, I was uh, most of it, I was in a corporate career in startups and in a more like um, big companies and um, on the sales side. So business development, sales, really selling things that are really too boring for this podcast, honestly. <laughs> so let's not get into that. But it got that. you here. Yeah, It got me here, yeah. So, um, but what, what, what really happened is um, among the year that I was living in China, I, I adopted uh, my dog, Oneida, and he was rescued from dog meat. And I speak about this in the, in the film. It's not from the Yulin you know, dog meat festival, but from um, just a random you know, construction site with workers from provinces outside of Shanghai raising dogs to guard the site and then eat them in the winter. And that was the plan. But he got rescued. And um, I adopted him, and so I came to learn about this in Shanghai. So that would be about 11 years ago. And, um, and so whenever I found puppies in the streets or cats, etc., I would always take them in and, you know, do whatever I could to, you know, clean them up, take them to the vet, and then get them adopted. And that happened quite a few times, actually. I wouldn't necessarily uh, go out and volunteer and get out of my way to do that because I had also a full-time career. But whenever I found, you know, one on my past, that's it. They were going on with, with me and my friends were laughing at me and saying, oh, this is a crazy dog lady or something. <laughs> For me, this is something that is absolutely normal is to you walk in the street, you see someone. It doesn't matter if it's a person or an animal needing assistance. I would drop everything and go and assist the best way I can. And that that's I, I don't see how I would do things any other way. Um, and so anyways, so that would be maybe the, my first sensitivity around, you know, animals, issues and, and things like that. But still, I was still eating a lot of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, anything like I was eating everything that came um, across my way. I was not a big vegetable eater. Um, my diet was quite terrible. I have to say I didn't have really health issues. Um, although I was not operating at an ideal level on a, mm. on a health side, but you know, when you're in that lifestyle, you, you don't, you don't realize it when you look back. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so once you start feeling yes. really good, you look back and you feel, oh, wow, Ooh, yes. that's how I'm supposed to feel. That's yeah. how good we're supposed to feel. Um, but so back then I didn't have any, anything Perfect. major. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, um, and so what happened is, um, to me, there was always something from a very young age that I, I was always very conscious about violence in the world. So, you know, you grow up and you learn about wars or you learn about um, injustice, mm -hmm. you know, people who don't have access to food or mm -hmm. people who are, you know, vulnerable. And that's something that I was always very sensitive about, although um, I was feeling powerless. I thought, okay, th that's what we're told, mm -hmm. you know, this is the way life is. It's sad, but it's life. Hmm. And you know you're and lucky you in your like, life. You can't really do anything because yeah. you're so far away. Exactly, and you're so far away, and uh, there's nothing you can do, and that's that. Yeah. Um, but so that would be always in the back of my mind. And a question that started to also be there in my mind was, when we eat animals, where where does the suffering go? You know, because yeah. there, there, there's a lot of suffering going on in the process, mm -hmm. and where yeah. does it go? You know, it's like when two people break up, where does the love go? Yeah. Right. But when we ingest this, this mm. suffering, what happens to it? Mm. 
And, uh, but that was just a nagging question, you know, in the back of my mind, I wouldn't really stop and reflect on that. Um, but about almost four years ago, so that's not too long ago, I, um, I took a conscious decision. It was too much. And I realized, okay, now I want to be someone who will do good consciously. And I want to look at my action and make sure that I'm bringing more light in the world and that I'm not contributing mindlessly to some, um, some more violence or some more whatever darkness, whatever you want to call it. And I looked at what I was eating and mm. I was at a Japanese restaurant. We were having, you know, pork belly and chicken skewers and beef this and egg and everything. Um, and so I stopped and I said, look, Please uh, give me something else. Give me rice. Give so me veggies. So it was just there and then wow. that you just decided. Right there, wow. yes. At the Japanese restaurant. Yes, it was right there. It was just like this, I don't know, wave of consciousness mm -hmm. coming up mm -hmm. and realizing, okay, if you don't want to contribute to violence anymore, look at what yeah. you're eating. Mm. And I knew that there were some vegans. I didn't know much about veganism, actually, but I knew that some people were vegan. And So this I was in Shanghai or Hong Kong? It was Kong? in Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, so it was first possible. So I thought, I'm becoming vegan. I don't know what I, <laughs> I, I knew what, I, what it meant, but I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that I was going to figure it out. So that was it. Um, overnight, meat, dairy, eggs cut out wow. um, and um, fish and what we call seafood about a month after that. I, I knew that I was mm. going to let it go. And um, yeah. the, the anecdote is I went to, we were in a beach in Thailand my husband and my little daughter at that time and um they um there was a shrimp farm um right next to our hotel and so sometimes the shrimp would escape from get out of the the huge buckets in the farm and would you know be stranded on the beach and of course me seeing a shrimp struggling mm -hmm. my first normal reaction is i want to put the shrimp in the ocean um and, um, and that's it. You know, when I observed myself having this behavior, mm. I felt, well, I cannot eat anymore yeah. because this is not what I want to do. Mm. So that was it. Yes, mm. never looked back. Um, felt better. Veganize everybody around me. Indeed, <laughs> the world. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then really quickly, I realized this is not just a personal choice because more people need to know. I really wish that someone came to my workplace earlier on in my life, in my career. I really wish that someone came and spoke to me about this. Mm. I had, I think, one vegan friend and she didn't say anything. She was very um, shy. I think she probably had been attacked several times in conversation. And when I asked her a question, she just said, well, you know, you know, the, the same questions. Oh, what about fish? And she mm. said, well, no, you know, I read a book about fish and I can't anymore. And she didn't say much, but I got intrigued. Mm. But at the same time, I, I mean, I would have loved to welcome this information earlier. Mm. Um, and that said, you know, everything is perfect and this is the past. So mm. it's fine the way things happened. Mm. I think, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Like Emily and I came into this lifestyle from very different angles. I think she came into this lifestyle for health and for me it was for ethics. And I wished at back in the day I knew a lot earlier because when I was eating a kilo of meat a day, I mean, the amount of animals that I wasted, to be honest, because I at some at the end of the day, I may eat a kilo, but I, I, I don't finish the whole kilo. So yeah. is that what a, a life is worth? And I agree with what you were saying as well, because when you actually make that conscious decision, I look at snails on the ground, you want to put them away, you put yes. them aside. Or you a wanna, spider. Or spider, yeah. you want to let them go. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I will help. I have a different relationship to bugs. I have to say, I used yeah. to be always scared of bugs, yeah. and yeah. now even there's a little. So it, I mean, it's not really relevant maybe for the conversation, yeah. but there's this little scarab yep. that comes sometimes like in my house and that comes and land on me and stay with me for a while. It's not the same mentality of, yeah. oh, you have to die. Even yes. now yes. I look at mosquitoes and I feel like, oh. okay, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. But yeah, I, um, yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of bugs, but I, I must have admit that a few times I've seen myself. I used to just smush um, yes. uh spiders when i was younger and uh, now i try and free them yes uh, yes although you're freaked out but you still do it i really i really dislike <laughs> i just yeah. really dislike but uh yeah but i but i on the sense of like mosquitoes whatever i kind of have the feel like uh because they carry like disease and stuff mm. like that especially dengue in dengue this area and I, yes. I, I'm, I'm like you know what like it's the same thing as like i i, I read some someone like that was saying like taking antibiotics is that vegan because you're killing it's like come on i think that's the same thing like gary urofsky used to say like used to answer to that he'd be like uh, if you and I are walking in, in the woods and then uh, we get attacked by a bear, I'm not mm. going to be like, yo, I'm not helping you. I'm vegan. <laughs> and I think it's it's about the same. Yeah. And I feel the same about mosquitoes. Like if they die, I'm not, well, not too. <laughs> but they're not the bear though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, definitely I feel as well that my uh, relationship. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, definitely yes. it's a shift. So speaking of going back to what you were saying earlier with when you made that switch back in the Japanese restaurant. So you were with Christian, your husband back then? Yes. So how did he take to that initial shift? Because <laughs> because it was almost it was overnight instantaneous. So was he welcoming of it? Was he supportive? Okay. So um, what happened is for me it was um, a spiritual and emotional decision, and I didn't have all the data that I have now. So mm. I was not able to articulate really well just, just what was going on. I just yeah. felt I knew it was right, mm. um, and I knew. I knew intrinsically that it was a natural response. At the same time, I was overwhelmed because imagine mm. that you've repressed all these emotions for the mm. longest time and suddenly mm. you open your eyes and you open your heart and yes. you see all these things. So one day you have meat in your fridge, the mm. next day you have a dead animal in your fridge. So for me, it was very violent to yes. suddenly, yes. Uh, I was really shocked and yeah. I felt, how did I not see that before? Mm. Um, and it was before I started to research everything. So I started to research, but still we had arguments before I, <laughs> I knew every, everything that I know now. So um, no, in the beginning didn't go too well, I have to say, because one part, it was also me, my responsibility, because I was, again, I was very emotional. I was very distraught and I could not articulate really well what, um, what this was about. Mm. And... You know, he married someone um, who was eating eggs and bacon. And then suddenly, you know, we can't have anything in the fridge mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, I'm becoming vegan. It's I don't want this in my house anymore. Yeah. I cannot have this violence in my house anymore. And so, no, we had a few arguments. Um, and um, very quickly we made a deal. So the thing is, I think with any kind of successful partnership or relationship is the ability to take steps towards each other. Um, for me, I'm not someone who compromises on the values. I have uh, girlfriends who are in relationships and married to non-vegans. Mm. I don't think I would be able to do that. Um, not because they would be bad people or anything. It's just that I'm mm. not able to compromise to 
that the much. Baby, yeah. And so at that point, it, it was a bit scary because we just had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, <laughs> if really we don't have yeah. these kind of values yeah. together, then it's going to be a problem in the long run. Yeah. But, um, but really quickly, I said, look, I'm going to, you're going to have vegan food at home. It's going to be delicious. Don't worry. Mm. You eat what you want outside. And then extra condition, if you eat these products outside, you have a responsibility to know. And so that was our understanding. Mm. And um, again, I'm not someone who lets go. And without being nagging or anything, I was so shocked by everything I was discovering. I would share with him, not to convince him, but really to say, wow, this is crazy. You know, look at this. This is the dairy industry. Look at what we are doing to the animals. Look at the egg industry. Look Mm. at, you know the ocean, look at the planet, etc. So he became educated. And I think one thing that um, happened early on is uh, I got him to change his cappuccino for soy cappuccino. And for an Italian, it's a really big, big step. deal. It's a huge, huge step. step <laughs> you know? So of course, there was a little bit of complaining in the beginning, but uh, <laughs> within a few days, he felt better. Oh, wow. And suddenly digestion is better, more clarity of mind, better sleep. And then he felt, oh, wow, no, don't tell me she's right. You know? <laughs> um, but, um, but that was really what encouraged him to take steps. And he never took steps thinking that he was becoming vegan. I never thought that he would mm. become vegan. I just felt, oh, he's taking steps because he's feeling better. Mm. And he's seeing for himself that, you know, he feels so much better on a daily basis. He's more productive. He has more energy. And um, whenever he would travel and have, you know, I don't know, a huge steak sandwich or whatever, um, he would feel like crap afterwards. Mm. Because then when you start reconnecting the communication with your own body, then your body sends you the the right signal. So, for Mm -hmm. example, when you're young and you smoke your first cigarette, you're going to cough so much. And it's not a pleasant experience. But then if you continue doing it, your body is going to adapt that's to that your mistake. It's your yeah. new normal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the body like kind of numbs and then, you know, deal with adapts. the pro- adapts and deals with the problem. So it's kind of the same. And once you take yourself out of that, when you take actually this crap out of you, then you have this communication. Your body tells you immediately, well, uh-uh, I don't want that anymore. So, um, so yeah, and then he became vegan in um, over wow. nine months, he transitioned. Oh, wow. And then he became committed, and then he wanted a vegan T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, and it's really nice. Oh, cool. Mm. That's, it's, it's awesome. Because, um, I mean, for, for Emily and I as well, like for me, I was the overnighter. I think you were overnight as mm. well. See, I was a bit like you. Like, uh, I took out most of it first, and then I, I, I thought I was going to keep fish seafood and maybe eggs and then like same thing i had like these like feelings like ah, it's not right and then i remember eating an omelet uh one week after i stopped eating all other animal products and i just felt sick so i was like ah my body's just telling me that i'm done yeah Yeah, but i had the same kind of feeling we had just gotten engaged when i when i first like did that change and it was still on a kilo a day and i was thinking this might be the end yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. Uh, even with a baby in the equation, I felt, mm-hmm. wow, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I felt, oh, maybe I'm going to stay in this until my girl is old enough and I have yeah. to go at some point. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and I think as a couple, it's a really beautiful thing to grow mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. Um, to have this, you know, this metamorphosis, basically this transformation and 
evolution mm -hmm. together. I think it's a really, really strong cement of a, of a relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think they also, they always say that like one of the thing that is uh, most essential to relationship is like, is, um, religious unity which is mm, we're not really religious but to me like that is something spirituality yes, 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 the values yeah. values yes, yes, yes. Shit. so but that was yeah a very shared value and spirituality and yeah like i i never for me i never felt like pushing him into it because it, it went so quick so i don't know what it would have been if it would have been months and he would still have been kilo a day of uh, meat and i was on my side but i i i didn't want to push him because i didn't want him to feel forced so I think that's why probably he yeah. came so quickly into it. We uh. can't force anyone. I didn't force yeah. uh, Christian either. Yeah. You know, I just said, look, this is it. You sh this is what you should know. Mm. Let's watch this together. Let's yeah. watch this film together mm -hmm. um, and see how you feel. Mm. And by the way, the food is delicious. Yeah. So at exactly. some point you run out of excuse. Really. Yeah, yeah same, same here. We, we started discovering new places and we realized like, I don't think we were missing anything. No. And I've got a question because obviously you're of uh, French origins. You don't see your family very often, but how, how, how were they reacting? Uh, was it hard to say goodbye to like really traditional food? And So we are Mediterranean. My mom is mm. actually from North Africa, Algerian oh. from oh. France. Yeah. And my dad was Corsican. So Mediterranean food is really vegetable centric, actually. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much, of course, being born and being raised in France, it's, you know, the cheese and the butter and all that stuff. Mm. But my mom always cooked really like, um, you know, whole food at home. There was always vegetable in the sauce or something. And so I would say it wasn't a huge stretch, but definitely there were also some heated uh, conversation, <laughs> of course. Um, so it wasn't too much about the tradition for my family. It was more about you know, everything, the, the conditioning, you know, mm. what about health and what about yeah. the this and what about that? And you just had a baby. Is it going to be healthy? Um, so it was more around that. And with my in-laws that are traditional <laughs> Italians, that was and sometimes um, can still be we're still having the conversation mm. um, four years into it. Yeah. So do you ha um, they haven't really been fully 100% so, supportive? So, no, they have. I have to say they have. But, you know, you are looking at someone who's 70 years old who mm. have spent their life sacrificing um, everything to raise their child. Mm -hmm. And these are really hardworking, honest people. And so suddenly you come in and you're telling them that everything they've done yeah. is wrong. Yes. I think it's really tough. And um, of course, that's not what happens. I'm not going and telling them you're doing something wrong, <laughs> but essentially that's how it is perceived. You know, mm -hmm, you've mm -hmm. learned something your whole life. And also you grow up with the farm next door and not the level of abuse that we have today. Yeah. So there's this so that's yeah, there's a mix. Yes. In that sense, they're still connected to their yeah. food. They're still connected. They still like to believe that they're still connected. And um, what we don't realize is that the, the amount that people eat today and 20 years ago is completely not yeah. the same. It's, it has increased tremendously, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you don't see it over the years. You know, it increased, increased, increased. But I'm sure that the way that they were eating, for example, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. it's not the same they were eating when they were in their 20s. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So, um, no, actually, my father-in-law was uh, has been really receptive. And the beautiful thing is that um, since he's been mostly plant-based, uh, he ditched his heart medication. Wow. Wow. So it's decreased and decreased, wow. and uh, he feels better. He's 70. Uh, he's been, um, the other day, he cycled 75K wow. in the hills 
70. Wow, yeah. that's... Through like a very hilly landscape. Uh, and he feels great. Mm. Um, he feels good. He recovers fast. We also introduced a juicer in their life, more juice, more fruits. And he feels fantastic. So it's, it's really nice to see. Mm. Fortunately, I have to thank Emily for welcoming me into this lifestyle. If not, I would not be here today. But, you know, with parents, uh, it's always a, a challenging thing. Like, my, I know my dad can do a lot better if he opts for, I won't say uh, more plant-based, but more nutrient-dense. Because right now, um, it's I would say his diet's more nutrient-void. Um, and what's your experience been with your, your, your mom? Yeah, because my dad passed away. I had already been a vegan, so my dad passed away from cancer. Um, and I mean, they were actually receptive, him and his wife. And I remember even towards the end when he was dying, he was very receptive. Um, but it's the nutritionist at the, like the, 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 the oncologist, nutritionist, whatever, uh, was saying that a, uh, a vegan diet was dangerous for, for a person already dying of cancer. I really don't understand what was behind it. Um, but yes, but he, I remember when I came and saw him the last time I cooked, it's the only food that he actually ate with appetite because uh, meat felt horrible in his mouth because he was on all kinds of medication. And the only time I saw him eat with appetite, there was food uh, like vegan food that I cooked. Um, so I'm, and apparently the nutritionist said it was, it was dangerous. So it's very sad. It's just horrible. And mm -hmm. I think it's really, it's just a system, you mm. know, it's yeah, a system. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I lost my father to cancer as well. Mm. And mm. back then we had no clue. Mm. And of course, I mean, over the last year, we've lost a number of friends mm. to cancer mm. also. I'm talking about people in their late thirties, early forties. Huh? And, um, what is happening is that, um, yeah, there's so much misinformation mm. and so much scare. Yeah. And only, you know, the thing about healing is the person needs to be fully embracing healing. Yeah. And sometimes people are not ready to do that. No. People are not ready to try everything in their power to heal. So on that, I have actually a good story. My mother, so she's been the last few years because I've been talking and educating her more. She, um, she decreased greatly. Um, the amount of animal products from her diet. And when we do holidays together, everybody's vegan for as long as we are together. So it, it, it's been yeah. nice. But she started having digestion issues mm. last year. And um, over some, sometime over Christmas, she, um, she was hospitalized uh, in emergency because uh, she was having like terrible pains and bleeding and... And um, also she fainted and, and hurt herself. And uh, she was diagnosed with Crohn's. Oh. And so Crohn's, for those who know mm. what it is, it's extremely painful. It's of an inflammation, right? Uh, where you have parts of your digestive system that is destroyed. You can't eat anything. You go to the bathroom 30 times a day. Um, you can't digest anything, really. And, um, and it's tough. So luckily enough, over the last year, I've started, I, I continue, I always continue to educate myself and to look into things. And I came across this, um, this man that is really um, incredible called Dr. Morse. Mm -hmm. He's a naturopath yeah. and he, um, he has been assisting people healing naturally with a process called detoxification. So really taking down everything out of the body and rebuilding. Um, very fruit centric yeah. fruits and fast some herbs as well but so basically what happened with my mom and that's 
really infuriating is she went to a renowned gastroenterologist in mm -hmm. Paris and the guy told her, um, well, it has nothing to do with the food, yeah. you know? So uh, for me, it's incredible. Like, how can you study the digestive system your whole life and not think that what you put in this digestive system is impacting the system itself? Yeah, so this is incredible. Mm. Uh, so I don't know, is it, is it dishonesty? Is it mm. just, you know, blind, whatever, like the, these blinders are, are strong, right? Yeah. So, um, but, but at that point, my mom, I think she had been in so much pain and I was also, t I had been talking to her for a few months and I had started the detoxification process myself. So I said, look, please trust me. I'm going to, to help you. I hired a detoxification specialist and we put her on apple juice for two weeks. So only apple juice because apple juice is the one that will repair the intestine lining. If you go into with citrus, mm. it's very uh, yeah, difficult for people who have, you know, who, uh, who are already, sensitive yeah. and already in pain. Apple juice, three days, no more bleeding, no more pain. Three days of apple juice. Mm. Um, two weeks, she had, you know, already a tremendous um, improvement within one month. Um, I mean, her digestive, um, her, her, her stools were back to normal. Mm. And within two months, all her inflammation level in the body were in the normal range, feeling better, operating better. Mm. And now, of course, she continues. And that's what, what she's done is really so the, the two weeks of juicing and then continuing some juice, but also high fruits, 100% fruits, um, you know, one type of fruit at a time and, um, and some raw foods as well. And she's been raw for a few months. She feels better. She lost some weight but some waste more mm. than anything yes. else and it's beautiful mm. but i have to say she embraced the healing yeah. you know and we looked at the diet but we looked also at emotion we looked mm. at meditation we really embraced the whole thing oh, and wow. and it's really beautiful and i'm so so fortunate that i'm so grateful that mm. she got to a point where she was ready and she's a transformed woman she's super positive she's super happy um, beautiful things are happening in her life as well. It's beautiful transformation. Oh, wow. I agree. I 100% agree because I was interviewing a cancer doctor as well. His name is Dr. Lodi. And Dr. Lodi was, he's, he's a allopathic doctor. He's also a homeopathic doctor. And he was sharing that cancer is almost like a tap on the shoulder by the universe, by God to give you to wake up, mm. to change your path. And you're right. I mean, if, if, the person actually has toxic emotions and is in a toxic environment, the best food is not going to heal them because they need the, they need to have a mind, body, emotions. Every needs, every aspect needs to be aligned for them to fully heal. Yes. So yeah. healing is really a 360 job. It has to be holistic. It has to be attacked from mm -hmm. all angles if we want to heal as fast as possible. That said, the what is beautiful about fruits and fasting, again, with the help of a you know of a yeah, professional of and it's knowing what we're doing fine line. i've seen i've seen lots of our mm -hmm. stories as well on that yeah side. so but you you need i mean yeah you, you you're probably not going to yeah. hurt yourself with fruits unless yeah. you go from a highly toxic body and mm. environment which was not her case yeah um but basically what happens is that the fruits also help you detox the the emotion Mm. the fruits and fast etc because once you start putting the right food then you know your body is not busy trying to digest yeah. all this waste and, and all these issues and 
everything is going into the same direction and supporting the healing. So it's yeah. it's really fascinating. It surely is. So I think it really affects you on a on a very emotional and spiritual level. And and I think with this whole conscious shift, it's a change in values and beliefs. And sometimes where ch- a change in value and beliefs, it's great when you experience it, but when you actually share it with people, the yeah. people that aren't ready for it tend to clam up. And one thought that you that came to my mind was when we were attending your screening at the projector mm-hmm. um and we i think it was like 15 minutes into the film and we just saw like two people three people just walking out so actually just so you know <laughs> they um because the screening started a bit late right oh. and um actually they had to run for dinner oh it okay. was actually yeah so okay. they didn't leave the room right. I actually yeah i know i thought about that too and but it, then the I thing learned. is it it was at a moment it was really well timed because it was at a moment that i was a little bit uh you know emotionally hard yes so i was just like oh, oh no okay i know no Ruffled so that wasn't the better. case that wasn't oh. the case that's it was really people okay. they had okay. to run i, I learned glad. after that i'm glad we cleared that out yeah they had the taxi waiting they had a dinner they committed so yeah it was fine i never had anyone leave the talks okay um good yeah oh, wow i okay. never had anyone leave that was the talks. actually my next question you know what has your impact been doing corporate speaking because yeah. in a corporate environment not everyone is you know when you speak to a vegan a veg, veg fest or whatever it is everybody's welcoming of the and message like, but we're, we're, we're like cheering you on but when in a corporate environment where uh, it's a very different mindset yeah. um so you're saying that yeah. everybody most most of the time it has been welcoming and inviting yeah so Mm. for me it's really important that i reach out to uh, non-vegans because that's that's the most important for me right and um although there's a lot of things to improve within the vegan movement etc this is not my focus at the moment i'm focusing on mainstream and um yeah so i mean the the feedback has always been super positive from the start and i'm still surprised to this day because you know, no matter who I speak to, whether it's, you know, banking professionals or students or people who are in tech companies or no matter the, the age group even, people are really welcoming of this information. And you can see that people are wondering and asking themselves this question. It's not normal that all of us, you know, so many of us are sick. Uh, it's not normal that we're struggling so much and everybody wants to do something and feel that they're contributing to something. So the feedback is always great excellent Hmm. that being said i have noticed i will have people who come and say wow this is amazing so inspiring and they still don't change their habits i've had that Um, experience myself as well yes so i see that in friends or people who want to connect with me Hmm. later and there was this lady that you know she came and it was as a at a school here, it's a mother and she came and shared her husband had cancer and they start to change the whole lifestyle and she believed and what about recipes? And the other day, uh, she's cooking some bacon and something. Um, I had to unfriend her, like, sorry, but yeah. I don't want to see that. I, I see that already bacon. in my life yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I don't want to see that on my social yeah. media at the moment. Yeah. Um, so it, sometimes it is a little bit discouraging. I had someone also here who is a nutritionist, non-vegan, and um, same, you know, we were on a panel together and she came and said, wow, this is so inspiring, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, still believes that we need animal products for nutrition. So people will meet you where they are yeah. at, right? Mm. You only meet them where, where at, the, at their level. And of course, they will take some steps, um, but you never know. So for me, I, from the beginning, I was always clear that this is not about convincing 100% of people. Mm. We need to get to a critical mass of 25%. Yeah. 
And I'm only doing this work of building up to the 25%. Other people will build on this work. Yeah. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, it doesn't belong to me. Yeah. To, mm. you know, the result doesn't belong to me. All I can do at, at my job is to inspire people. Yeah. And I'm a messenger. Mm. I, you know, this is the information you should know. This is what you can look at if you want to learn more. That's it. Yeah. Then everything else, you know, it, be, it belongs to the people. I think there's a strong issue that we have beyond just apathy, but I think there's a strong issue around self-love in our society. And a lot of people don't believe that they can get better and they mm. can feel at their best. For me, Ultimately, this is about love. This is about yeah. loving yourself enough that you can give your body the best possible chance and food to, to prevent disease, but also to thrive. Um, it's about loving the planet so much that you're not going to contribute in any way in the best of your own capacity. You know, it's not about, oh, I'm going to have meat in moderation. <laughs> oh, I'm doing so good for the planet. No, why would you do something in moderation when you know so many people are not doing anything? Um, so... You know, this self-love needs to be a little more considered, I think, in this equation and, and embracing it and loving the planet more, loving the animals more, loving ourselves more to say, mm. I love myself enough that I'm not going to do anything that insults my soul. Mm. Yeah. And it's about aligning yourself. So I think some people get there. A lot of people mm. get there and um, a lot don't. Yeah. And this is just the way things are. I, f I just think for me, I think uh, people like to hear some uh, good news about their bad habit. Who said that, Dr. Dr. McDougall? Oh, McDougall? Yes. And that's one of my favorite and I see that like every day. Uh, yes. That's why that's why the, the low carb slash yes. keto diet is doing well um, and it will keep on doing well. Just changing names, you know, it was Atkins and it became like the paleo diet and keto. It's just the same thing, just being recycled and that's people love it. Oh, cool. I can have bacon because it's good for you and same thing with like lately i've been i've seen a lot of ex-vegans uh saying that we actually kill less animals by eating meat than by this being vegan which is completely ridiculous come on like can you do math in your head um, but that's another thing like wanting to hear good news about their bad habits so it's not just about um wanting to hear the good news about your bad habit is that people diet is so bad mm. but that if they go into keto, if they go into yeah. paleo, they will see some of improvement course. because they are improving on yeah. some level. Yeah. And so suddenly yeah. they think that all diets are mm. equal mm. and that's not the case. That's yeah. just not the case. I mm. mean, we have a diet, a species specific diet. Mm. All species on earth have a, a, a diet that is specific to their own species. Mm. That, mm. That's it. 100%. You know, there's no way around it. Yeah. And we are such in denial, even within the vegan movement, we are in mm. denial mm. of of, uh, of who we are as mm. a species, what we should be eating. And the more we stray from that, um, yes, we can get away with it yeah. for a while. Um, yes, we can still feel better if even if we have some kind of junks here and there. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change who we are. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah, I think back to the keto, I mean, speaking <laughs> to a lot of the doctors, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that go into this lifestyle would look at it for aesthetic reasons yes. and maybe maybe certain medical conditions, but l there are no long-term studies yeah. that prove no, this no. kind of lifestyle extends life, yeah. um, promotes long-term health. I mean, we look at the blue zones. There's no, there's no study out there that actually proves that. And I mean, people bring up the um, Inuits and 
the Maasai Maasai tribe, but it's later research showed that these these tribes um, don't live past 50, 50, 55. No, um, exactly. So, so they, then that's why they don't get the heart disease because these are like aging um, illnesses. Yeah, so. We live a lot longer now. So we, you know, uh, we've got more time for us to be on this planet, but also more time for us to get sick. Yeah. So so in that sense, um, yeah, you're going to get... I think get- Maasai, there's um, um, something that's different about them. I think it is the Maasai that they are running so much exactly. and they are so active that actually yeah. their arteries have a Adapted, yeah. and so they don't get this heart disease but it still doesn't mean that yeah, you they are in them as the best example. possible health yeah. Yeah. and also the Messiah or the Inuit what choice do they have exactly yeah. you know, compared yeah. to what choice do we have exactly it's, it's, it's very different yeah I would never blame a person who lives up north in Canada to, to be eating animal products because like their fruits and vegetables are being flown and it's extremely expensive they cannot grow it and everything like it's that's what that's what's available there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's completely different. You cannot compare. Yeah, like we live in so much abundance. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. going back to what you were saying as well, I find that really fascinating because I know of friends, um, a close friend of ours that I, for me, when I made the switch uh, because of the documentary Earthlings, I watched and I switched overnight, and I had a friend that <laughs> watched it. Um, and like, oh my goodness, that's really, really cruel. That's, that's, I can't believe this is happening. And the next day we see a post on her having oxtail soup. I'm just like, and I just think of that. I mean, she's not a bad person. People are not bad people. But I think there's, I also think that the full shift happens when you sort other aspects of your life out, whether it's emotions, whether it's past insecurities. Because, and I think fear stems from insecurity at some, at some level. And I think if you don't address your insecurities and your fear, um, you're never really going to make that full shift because I also believe that our food, food is energy. Energy doesn't dissipate. It just transmutes. And when you eat, um, eat positivity, you eat nutrient-dense foods that affects you on, on so many levels. But if you're not ready for it, um, you're mm-hmm. always going to start thinking that, oh, you're lacking this, you're lacking that. Well, you know, you have to be really strong and not just with your beliefs, but also with your research. You have to be really thorough. Yes. And you have to do that yourself. You Mm -hmm. cannot count on others to do it for you. So once you have this research, once you have this experience, once you have this beliefs and this desire, Mm. then you're strong. But then if you are someone who worries about what others think, um, if you are someone who is easily swayed and influenced Mm. because it stems again from another root cause on an emotional level Mm. or something else, then of course we live in a non-vegan world. We live in a world where this violence and this really, I mean, this terrible diet that everybody is having is the norm. So... It's not easy. I, I understand why it's, it's not easy for everyone. But what people don't understand is that it's easier to make that switch than to deal with the consequences of not doing it. Mm-hmm. This addiction to animal protein and animal-based foods is killing, not only killing us, but also killing the planet and killing the animals as well. So, so speaking of research, um, of course, there are a lot of activists out there that have are armed with good research and are very, very well mm-hmm. versed in all the science and ethics. In your experience, um, everybody has been quite positive and forthcoming. I know of other people who have gone to talks and they just get gunned down by. Of course. With that in mind, how can people start being more effective in their yes. activism? One thing is that 
I always think about my audience. Mm -hmm. I don't think about myself. I, it's not about me being right. It's not about me coming in and proving a point and having the last word. It is about speaking from my heart with authenticity and I am talking to their heart. I am bypassing, mm. you know, of course I'm addressing the mind and the objections, but I am bypassing that. Essentially, I'm speaking to their heart. I'm speaking to their common sense, to their logic. Mm. And I think that's why people receive it so well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not here to accuse or to judge. Um, there's no, I don't have a judgment, you know, towards people. You know, for me, it's always about, you know, love the sinner, not the, the sin. sin right mm -hmm. the act is different from the person and once we understand that we understand that most people are not bad people and people are in need of help people are struggling with health issues people are struggling with you know eco anxiety people are struggling with all kinds of thoughts and even when it comes to what we are doing to animals a lot of people are conflicted so it's really about coming in as being a help and of service of others rather than coming and you know feeling that we are on a pedestal or feeling defensive if you come into a room with this defensiveness in your heart thinking you're going to be attacked and you know it's us against them we are creatures of energy we mm. know that people feel that things are going to go you know in the wrong direction but if you go in that you know just with the peace of mind saying i'm here to say my truth and to share the information that is accessible out there to everyone but because we are in our busy lives, people don't do this research, don't take this time to do it. I'm here to open a mind. I'm here to open a heart. Then things go really well. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm the first one who's surprised. I am surprised always. And I don't think it's because people, are, I, I don't think they are hypocritical about mm -hmm. it. I don't think it's because they, they don't dare saying anything. I actually surveyed my first 30 talks anonymously. So I ask people, you know, rate this talk, rate me. Uh, rate the content, put your comment in it. And so that was over uh, maybe 500 people. Wow. And um, that may, of course, there was always one or two. <laughs> I, I noticed that about 30 people, there's always one or two that yeah. are really against, don't want to change, don't want to learn more. Most people want to learn more. Propaganda. Yeah. But that's like <laughs> very, very small percentage, a smaller percentage that I thought it would mm -hmm. be. Most people, 80% of people would say, I am willing to reduce my consumption of animal products after hearing this wow. talk. And it's just, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So, so it's, it's all about going in with authenticity mm. and understanding that, again, it's not us against them. We are all in this together. We were like that. We were mm. on the other side not yes. so long ago. And again, there's no side. There's no yeah. side. I always share that I used to be one of the coaches that used to get my vegetarian clients to have white meat every once a week, twice a week, because they weren't hitting their protein goals. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't a bad person. I just no. didn't know any better. Mm. Yeah, I used to look at my vegetarian friends. I thought they were weak. I don't yeah. know. I couldn't relate. I'm like, what is this? You know, they mm. were... I don't know, chilled out or I thought, what is going on? For me, I was in a high-paced career. You know, this yeah. idea that, oh, you know... Um, top of the food chain, uh, yeah. survival of the fittest. I was really in this mentality and um, and it works well when you are in this kind of system. Yeah. Yeah. But actually now I get to spend time with people that I would judge before as mm -hmm. being, I, I don't know, I would cast them into a category, oh, these are hippies or <laughs> these are these or these are that. Now they're good friends and I learned so much from them yeah. and it's, it's really beautiful. Mm. Surely is. So I want to go into your filmmaking journey. Mm -hmm. And I know you've traveled the world. 
getting all all the amazing footage and and in your journey being a filmmaker and being out there what what have you seen and maybe you could share how how has it impacted you has it impacted you a lot more yeah so i mean i would start with with saying that i am just beginning this filmmaking journey um i mean let us be heroes was, was released last year in november so that's not so long ago. And before I did Let Us Be Heroes, I didn't think that I would do more. And because Let Us Be Heroes happened so quickly, so beautifully and so effortlessly on so many levels, then I realized, OK, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do at least for a while. So um, I am working now on a, on a feature documentary on the, the use of animal skins by the fashion industry. And... Um, this is something that has taken me into yeah. a deeper consciousness of what is going on, what animals are going through. Um, I've, of course, I went into it with, um, so I just started filming six months ago. I started with uh, some ideas and some knowledge around it, but uh, the consciousness of it um, is, uh, is on another level now. Yeah. So... What I realize is that, number one, it is pervasive. It is everywhere. It is yeah. right under our nose. Yeah. We don't see it. Um, there's a lot of the common objections, you know, that are always the same. Like people think that, for example, leather is a byproduct from the meat industry. Um, this is not the case. Mm. It's a co-product. Just yeah. like, you know, you're buying um, the whatever, like the, the, the shoulder, the, the yeah. thigh yeah. and skin is one part of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in some cases, it is the main product. Yeah. When we're looking at, for example, in India, well, not just in India, but mm -hmm. uh, I would say in Europe, you know, uh, when we look at um, calf skin is the best skin because it's the soft Very skin soft. from the babies. They don't have scratches yet, etc. These are the most sought after skin and it makes up up to um, sixty percent of the value of the animal, so we can't speak about yeah. a, a byproduct. It yeah. is not a waste product. Mm, mm. So there's the, all the there's a lot of misconception around uh, around that. And what I see, my biggest takeaway so far would be that, just like often in life, you just need to show up mm. to see what's really going on. Yeah. It's not hidden. It's not that hidden. Oh, no. Um, when you just do a, a little bit of a search, you, you, you find the real truth. Yeah, yeah, you find the real truth. And um, you do a little bit of research. Um, I would say the research for the fashion industry is not that straightforward because there's a lot of data that is missing. For example, a lot of um, skins is, is counted in tons. Mm. And so we don't really know exactly the number. Mm. And I'm digging into that. Um, I, I will research more. Um, but th there's a lot of, how to say, a lot of uh, things that are hidden, of course, yeah. and that are not accountable, uh, held accountable. Mm. When you show up to a farm, then you also see. In your experience, have you actually showed up at um, an, a, like a leather like a mink skin, farm a mink or, farm? Yeah. Or? I showed up in a wool farm. And oh. um, what you can see is, um, so for example, in... Let's talk about Australia for a minute. Yes, that's so, what I was thinking. So in Australia, um, so the wool industry, of course, is the meat industry. It goes hand in hand. Mm. It's, it's everywhere, right? So it's a part of the, of the financial equation. Mm. Um, in Australia, every winter, there are 10 to 15 million lambs that die within the first 48 hours after being born 
on farms. Why? 10 to 50 million. Yeah. Wow. So what, why is that happening? Why? There's something called winter lambing where the ewes are forced to be pregnant at the same time, around the same time. They made pregnant around the same time so that they give birth in the winter. So that when the lamb grow to, um, it will be spring and they can feed on grass and it's the everything is more lush mm. and it reduces the cost for the farmers. Whereas if in it was like in nature where lambs are born in the springtime, then comes summer, then everything is more dry and you have to have more cost in terms of feed. Uh, sheep have been also bred um, selectively to have twins and triplets. Mm. So there you go, you have these sheep mothers, uh, these ewes that are giving birth in really cold condition in the winter by themselves. You know, we're talking about huge open paddocks, um, giving birth to twins or triplets or even just one, but you know, they are on the floor trying to give birth. It's super cold, very harsh conditions and uh, the rate of mortality is so high. So the these lambs, 10 to 15 million lambs die every single winter in Australia in the 48 hours after being born from exposure, from hypothermia, from um, also the, the, the mother would just focus on the one that has the strongest chance of surviving um, and discard the other one or they can't keep up or there's an infection, etc. And this is just a collateral damage, a uh, collateral cost, mm. right, um, in someone's spreadsheet. Mm. Um, because even with all of that, it's still more profit profitable to have. So that's the really just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh -huh. Then you have um, lambs that, of course, if the lambs survive, then they will be either slaughtered for lamb. Uh, but before that even happens, they get their tail docked um, with a hot knife or with a rubber band that really restrict the blood flow so that it will fall off. But this is all extremely painful. Mm. They go through castration, extremely painful. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of mutilation mm. and it is justified to say, oh, but because, you know, if we don't cut their tail, yeah, they might get fly strike and they might get infection. But lambs that actually get to be saved and grow on sanctuaries, they just looked after in a way that this doesn't happen. Yeah. And they have their tail. And one thing that I see a lot of people don't know, sheep have long tail. Mm. They have really long tail. Yeah. Um, they don't have like the, this tiny little tail that, that mm. we see everywhere. Mm. If I ask someone, please draw me a sheep, nobody's going to the, the, draw the long tail, right? So, um, yeah, there, there was a case of just showing up to a farm that was picked at random. And yes, you uh, when you are on the road and you see all this beautiful landscape and you see the animals running in nature and it's open. I'm not talking about a factory farm here. Yeah. I'm talking about this idyllic, you know, postcard kind of farms. Um, just go over the fence and yeah. see what happens. Um, mm. You walk around and you see dead lambs, you see dead mothers, you see uh, the eyes pecked by birds um, and all that kind of thing. And um, this is, um, again, you don't have to look very far yeah. for finding all that, but you do have to look. Um, and if you don't look, you might think that it's not happening, that it is crazy, that it is one bad example or one bad farm, etc. No, this is the standard. Um, so this is one example that um, that you know that uh, we uh, we have been looking into um, for the film. Um, but also we're looking at the um, the lobbies, especially from the Powerful fur industry lobbies. that uh -huh. are extremely yes, strong. Canada yeah. goose. <laughs> 
Yes. So <laughs> if you're looking at these lobbies that actually have access to governments and lawmakers, mm -hmm. and this has been going on for a while, mm -hmm. actually. Um, so I'm really looking forward to sharing more about everything that's going on, because again, people have a right to know. If we are funding products that we don't agree with, then we should know. Yeah, yeah we I, should know so that we can have, make a choice based on knowledge and not based on, you know, marketing, advertising, conditioning. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Sorry, I remember one of our friend, uh, Samantha Shorky, she's Canadian like me. And I remember around the election, she did not vote for Justin Trudeau, which is our current prime minister, which I, I quite like. He's pro-gay rights, he's pro but he has a picture of his whole family wearing Canada Goose and that mm -hmm. just really and with the fur trim and everything. And that just touched her so bad and back then I was just like oh yeah whatever you know but now I think the more I think into it like it's so all interwined because yeah. uh, Canada Goose is so big back back the in Canada. The Canada Goose is keeping the coyote fur mm. trapping mm. Uh, afloat. Yeah. Canada Goose alone and uh, for the film we have uh, interviewed um, a former undercover investigator that spent 20 years Uh, across all animal industries and he has infiltrated trapping so we will be sharing his testimonials about oh. that firsthand witnessing wow. and we have footage as well so wow. footage of not just stories but footage mm. to back it up but yeah as a canadian like canada was created as a it was basically a fur trading port like it, that's how canada came about to be that's what created basically so back then obviously it was different but uh it's, yeah, I mean, when you look that it's absolute part of our history and i think that's yeah. a thing like part of your history definitely I agree you know 100 years ago we, yeah. did, people didn't really have a choice they, they needed 1600s. to keep warm yeah 1600 <laughs> 1600s you didn't have a choice you didn't have the the options that you have right now to to, yeah. to keep yourself warm so you needed animal skin you needed and meat really well, it was not even that it was to make hats it was to okay, make like hats. the nice hats that people were wearing like the in like the, the the people in england were wearing as like you know like the the aristocracy and everything yes. it's not even like to keep warm like, they were actually stealing what the natives were wearing to keep warm uh they were stealing while well, they were exchanging for like nothing for mirrors and stuff and uh, just to bring back to england to them to the motherland uh to 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 use for like fancy stuff but yeah Even then, it was not. Even in the 1600s, it was not. Uh, yeah. It was all just for money and. Yes, yeah, for status, a symbol of status, status <laughs> to show <laughs> that you are wealthy, so you are wearing yes. the skin. And I yeah. think it's the same mm -hmm. in places like Russia uh, as well and New York. Yeah. Uh, in New York, you see like old ladies wearing a thick fur coat with the thick, with the thick head. It's you're right. It's it's a state. It's oh. it's. My grandmother, when she died, I remember she had a fur coat and it was in her wheel. She was not a she was not a rich woman, but that was a prized possession. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is changing a little bit, but the fur industry now has um, understood very well that people are becoming more aware and more sensitive about this type of issues. So instead of going on for the full, full on, you know, full length mm. uh, fur coat, which by the way are still yeah. existing, right? it's still going, it's still happening. Um, they're going for the little trim and the yeah. little pom-pom. And this is actually um, driving it to even an increase of fur mm. and yeah. fur farming. I used to defend fur. I used to sell, I used to sell jackets. And uh, one of my first job, I was selling winter jackets. And we were selling some jackets that had 
fur trims and I had activists who came to me and were like, oh, you're selling death, whatever. And I was just like, well, I, uh, we were being told to respond to these people that is much less damageable for the environment yes. than fake fur. And that's what they're still going on about. Yes. That's what's still, uh, they say that, you know, like petrochemical uh, that makes like, it's much more damageable than something. And these are just, uh, you know, like these are just dead animals that they found on the, as if they were like roadkills. Um, but yeah, that's what I, and I, I've, I've, I remember arguing with a few people selling these jackets and saying like, oh, it's, you know, like, you know, it's much less damageable for the environment. And yeah. that's that narrative is still mm. going around mm. now. That's you know, the, the thing yeah. is, um, animals are natural, mm. therefore it's sustainable. Yeah. No, that's a huge stretch. Yeah. That's false, yeah. uh, but it's still very, very strong. Mm. Actually, this 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 thinking is very strong. So these are some of the myths that we're taking a look at. Oh yeah, my family is big consumer of uh, like my 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 brother and his girlfriend wear uh, Canada Goose jacket with the fur trimming because they live in a really cold area. But come on, guys, like it's it's easy to. My mom loves to buy like now she took a step down and she's where she's using uh, recycled fur. To me, it's still sending a really bad message. But you know, like it's uh, you know, I, uh, one time she was. It's like she does that on purpose. When we went, uh, we went to Quebec City with her, and she was like shopping for a pair, yeah. for a pair of mittens or something I, like that. I was that. there as well, and taking like me to really places awkward. where there's like wolves hanging off the walls and stuff. And I was like. I, I try not to be aggressive, but I was just like, why are you taking me here? I'm just going to go outside. And the lady came out. Okay. She was like, these were already dead. And we just, and I was oh, just yes, like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is for tourists. This is for especially Chinese tourists to bring back home. Like, no, of course, it was not picked up on the. There's like, no such thing as already mm. dead. I used to believe, you know, yeah, that you so buy something and it's already dead and it's yeah. fine. Yeah. But um, there was not a lot of critical thinking uh, <laughs> no, back then, no. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you remember, like, I was just like, I really try not to be preachy and crazy, but that was just, that just put me, to me, this is just. I can understand some people arguing the feeding themselves, whatever, whatever, but this is not needed. It's not right. necessity. And speaking of farming, um, I watched a documentary on, I mean, the rise of the Chinese mink fur farms as well. That's mm -hmm. a whole different um, ballgame altogether because the scale, I mean, tour buses that are being trucked into these fur farms, I mean, well, fur shops, departmental stores where it's just harrowing. Well, you know, China is not doing anything different than what Europe is doing. Yeah. I was looking at the data, actually. European countries combined produce more than China right. as of the recent years. Um, so the thing that is shocking is the scale. Yeah. But when you look, you go onto a Chinese farms and you go into a farm yeah. in, in um, you know, a Scandinavian country, uh, you're going to see the same thing, essentially, yeah. Yeah. just at a different scale. So I think mm. it's very important to understand to not point fingers at China, necessarily, yeah. to understand that we are doing the same in our own backyard. Mm -hmm. and, um, but just following suit, really, yeah. of what has been done. And for it, the, you look, it's an opportunist mm. um, yeah. thing as well. It's about China producing because there is a demand. And as long as there's a demand, there's, there's the killing. So I guess now shifting gear to the lighter side of things, we went deep <laughs> and dark. Um, I definitely want to go into motherhood, parenthood. For both of you, really, how do you foresee yourself bringing your 
I, I say it as if it's not my child. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Your offspring. My off, my offspring. <laughs> but but I guess for me as a, a dad, I I worry about you know bringing Sienna up and in, in in a little bit in in a non non-vegan um, world but I do my best so in your experience what do you worry about? I just hope that you know I would impart to her what we need to impart for her to make a conscious decision I think it's just being a parent mm. it's just about worrying about your child wanting the best for your child and because this is such a big part of our lives I, I hope and, yeah. And, and yeah I mean that's just a, a natural natural reaction for me to worry but you know I hope that when the time comes, she'll make the right decisions based on her yeah. upbringing. And I think, yeah. So I think number one is our girls are going to grow in a world where there are a lot more vegans and a lot more yeah. vegetarians. So for sure, mm. um, I don't think they would be ostracized like vegetarians yeah. or vegans were <laughs> when we were little, for example. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, my take is when children are really small, um, there's a birthday party, there's a cake, there's a cookie. I'm not going to take it out of a mouse, you know, like that's the thing. They don't understand. So you need to think also about what yeah. is um, critical for the child's well-being and yes. confidence. And when they're small like that, they want to be part of the group. Absolutely. Now, Valentina, we um, educate her with knowledge. And mm -hmm. so we just told her the truth since the beginning, you know, yeah. the pig, pork, whatever, ham. This is Peppa Pig. Um, <laughs> this is an actual animal. Chicken is an actual animal. Do you want to eat an actual animal? And of course, no. Mm. Um, you know, she watched Nemo very early on and she was extremely distressed at seeing them in the nets. She was crying. She was maybe two or something like that. And she saw, you know, all the fish in the net and she was so incredibly, you know, um, emotional and yeah. upset uh, about that. So this is just human nature. You know, this is not something that I put in her mind or anything. Mm -hmm. This is just like every other kid watching, you know, a Disney movie or Pixar movie. So um, I would tell her the truth for candies. I mean, I'm a little more strict on gelatin because yeah. I, I mean, just when you really know what is gelatin made of, there's no way <laughs> I want it in her body. Um, so I would just tell her, you know, this candy has pig, this candy has milk, has cow's milk. Mm. And actually, you know, she, she tells me, oh, I don't want it. She lets it go. Mm. And, you know, there's some parties where you will bring some things uh, recently at school. Um, for her birthday, they, they had a few kids' birthday at school, and um, I asked the teacher, can we bring something? And I said, well, no, we have a policy where we can't bring anything. Uh, and I said, well, can you make a vegan cake as part of the thing? And they were very open that they did. Mm. So, you know, it's th that, that's like the cake thing yeah. and the cookie thing that I, you know, I'm not super strict because same. she's not big enough to yeah. understand. Exactly and same. I don't want her to be damage or feel punished that's you know small kids they would feel punished yeah. if they're not accessing like everybody and yeah. then you're creating more damage than yeah. good um but everything else she's um she's fine and she mm. knows and uh, she's clear and she knows from a very young age oh well it's fine i can have fries and i can have pizza and i can have pasta and i have mm. this and the beauty is that and i think you see that with sienna um you have kids that are have um a more variety of food and then an incredible an incredibly open palate mm. so r my daughter now says oh i love broccoli i mean mm. you know you want to hear that as a parent you know yeah. we went to a restaurant the other day there was a, a really tasty kale salad she couldn't stop eating a kale salad at four year old 
and I'm so proud. And mm. um, I guess it's uh, it's easier, of course, when you have a child that is a good eater. Mm. Um, and all we can do is um, give them the knowledge. And of course, later on, you know, it's going to be her own choice, but it is already her own choice. Yeah. You know, I always make sure to, to to tell her the truth. And so her choice is based on truth. Yeah. Um, and now we don't have it. Also, we lead by example. Um, but she sees, for example, she sees sometimes her nanny that eats whatever, some chicken or something. And she's a little bit shocked, but she doesn't feel like she wants to eat yeah. any of that. Yeah. Yeah, we're very similar as well. Like uh, at home, it's all vegan, obviously. Um, she goes to a little play group a few times a week, and if they're partaking at a as at a like a, a birthday cake once in a while, we mm -hmm. said yes, she can have part of it. We want her, yeah, same thing. We want her to be included. Exactly. You're gonna mm. have a a She's little nice long. kid that is going to come yeah. and offer some, yeah. you know, cracker to your kid. What are you gonna do? Yeah. No, you know, no, 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 don't take it. This is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You cannot have it. Like it's like no, we choose not to have it. That's why we always make the difference. Yes. Yes, like it's not, we're not allergic. Um, it's just we choose not to have it. And yes, yeah, same thing, like we bought a few books. So we, we tell her, we show her a lot about, she's, she loves fish. It's really funny. She, I think it's mm -hmm. her, she's obsessed with fish. She has a fish dress that she loves and she has like a... All about the ocean. Yes, she <laughs> really, really loves anything about fish. Um, and Luke taught, like, taught her because she was, you know, the fish here uh, at the, at the, the grocery store they're like in full size they're not cut like you can yes. buy them like all so they hold they look like you know you see their eyes yes. their face and everything and she didn't understand they were dead um yeah every time she was like i want to see go see the fish it's not because she loves eating the fish she's never had fish but she just wanted to see it because she loves fish mm -hmm. so we made her understand that this is not right you know that we don't we choose not to eat them because we mm -hmm. like them in the ocean and blah blah, blah. i think little kids are very clear mm -hmm. even on the zoo or tanks mm -hmm. or all this kind of thing like the the idea of being restrained mm -hmm. Um, and confined and yeah. captive it's very very clear to them that it's not a good thing so again you don't have to say much yeah i i, I guess i hope so Be being a dad i really want to do i buy all these books but half the time when i read to her she just and i think partly because she's also like two and a half not yes. not even two and two. a half she's like two and three <laughs> two, two. so i i think for me i'm at that point I, you know i, I just want to share so much with her but she's at the age she's where like, oh, look, all right asked, see you later <laughs> bye just get it yeah. and for me i think i i, I have confidence I, I know I have confidence for bringing her up in the best possible yeah. environment. But, you know, you still as a parent, like for me, I, I still worry. Um, I would say like there's so many things as a parent that you're going to worry about. This should this not should be not. one of exactly. one of these things. Like this just works. let it go because there's yeah. going to be some worry anyway. Of course, you know? especially with the life. boys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So your whole life, you're going to yeah. worry about that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, don't worry about yeah. her. And even... If that was the case where, you know, you raise a vegan child and they decide to eat animals, I mean, that's the path. That's yeah. maybe painful and difficult that it is. That would be the path. But I don't see how someone who is, um, again, balanced yeah. and informed would make that choice. So this is not sure. something that I worry about. And yeah, and that's why I research so much and I make sure that she's well nourished and I, I do supplement and everything because... Um, you know, I've seen some people, some people reverting to animal products and being after being uh, raised as vegans or vegetarians. And usually it was uh, because they were fed very nutritionally deficient diets, like from like, um, you know, like all fruit diets or whatever as young children, no fat, that kind of stuff. 
um that's the that's the then you know like and i mean that being said there are some perfectly healthy fruitarian kids yes right with their family if they have ac access again to a variety mm. of foods to l good quantity mm. you know it's not about eating one apple and one banana yeah. and that's yeah. it right yes um so um i mean we have to be careful also to not discard yeah. some th some things that are extremely healthy and very positive and very good um, because of some people who don't do it the right way. And mm -hmm. I think we see that also yes, I see, uh, but as with a, vegans. I've seen some very... You've seen the spectrum. But I yeah. think if we are going to use like a, an umbrella, uh, mm -hmm. I don't think... I think you have to be extremely careful with that. And that's why like uh, it's dangerous. Yes, there are a few, but for the few really healthy ones, and I, I, I think of a bunch, but... Uh, there, there's like horror stories of people just uh, you know like making their own formula with water and bananas yeah that's and not I, a good idea <laughs> and yeah and I've seen that I've seen that in in in, in vegan groups uh, something like oh I cannot there's no vegan formula here in my country what can I do and a bunch of people saying give almond milk uh, like yeah make your own formula with water and bananas but I don't and, see how like someone would seek advice yeah. from online like yes. that, that's the other thing you know like you yeah, have also to know where to go um, and yeah. where to find the right Absolutely. information and, and, you know, we can't control what mm -hmm. everybody else is doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are horror stories like that, but there are also horror stories mm -hmm. of People a lot of feeding McDonald's or a lot of omni kids that, yes. I mean, look, we, of course, we all know, um, that kind of situation, but a lot of kids these yeah, days, they absolutely. have horrible digestion. They're constipated mm -hmm. all the time. They don't go to the bathroom. They yep. backed up. Right. They have asthma issues. They have um, all kinds of skin issues, eczema, etc. And sadly, a lot of parents don't know what to do. But at the end of the day, this is also some kind of neglect, I would say. Yeah, um, of, course. of course, unconscious. And um, it's not a willful neglect mm -hmm. but just like the vegans that would mess up and not do it well i don't think anybody wants to hurt their child exactly. i think it's just a lack of awareness of and awareness like of, yes. of exactly it's just out of ignorance in both cases um yeah, and i mean for one vegan child that didn't thrive and that was put into in front of the tribunal there i don't know how many thousands of of omni kids who are having type 2 diabetes before 10 and you know i mean like and we don't hear about that. and we're going to see a lot more of that mm. like what is very worrying for me is to mm. see kids that are you know eight nine going mm. into puberty oh gosh um, yeah because of the dairy products mm. and this is this All is really hormones. happening and yeah. more and more places as well wow. but i mean you know to look at what's really going on because these again these are of course, you open Facebook and you're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But what I see around me, when I see vegan parents, when I see vegan kids, when I see any kind of kids, um, most people are actually relatively um, educated and doing well. I see, I see a lot of very responsible vegan parents. I never met an, an one irresponsible vegan parents. If anything, mm. I see people who make even more Same. of an effort Same. to research, yeah. uh, even more of an effort to cater to, you know, again, variety of nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, people who also don't stop just at diet, but also look at, you know, natural products and, you know, chemicals and, for example, like whatever, like shampoo and household products and stuff like that. So I see more people in that, yeah. you know, going into that direction. Um, and I mean, a kid is very easy. You can see, you know, are they thriving? Are they running yeah. around? Are they, you know, active? Yes. Are they yeah. happy mm -hmm. and, you know, having a good time? What about, you know, do they have dark circle or anything like that? Like they, they, you can see very quickly if a child is mm -hmm. in the right environment or not. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Indeed, indeed. So I guess just to kind of land this ship, as Rich Roll will always say, I mean, we've covered a lot today from the fur industry to parenting to your whole journey. And I know your brand is Let Us Be Heroes. So for, for the listeners out there, how can people become own hero in their own world and in their community and their families? How can they start? I would say knowing why we're doing something is the most important thing. So uh, what I mean by why is finding your why, whether it is for the planet, whether it is for, you know, social justice in your community, whether it is for health, whether it is for the animals, the why has to be really strong. And um, people need to understand that they are more powerful than they think. And they need to be ready to envision the best possible version of themselves. It's not easy because we go through life and we have traumas and, and, and grief and, and pain. And, you know, we make mistakes sometimes, um, more than sometimes. So it's about getting to that self-love, to, to tell yourself, I, I am worthy of thriving and of being aligned with what I believe in. And so I think this is where it all stems, because if you start into anything, but you don't have this strong foundation, then you will revert back to whatever old habits or you will give up or you will be easily swayed and influenced mm -hmm. by um, maybe some uh, people, corporations that have questionable motives. So um, the, the, the strong why is, is really, really important okay. and taking the steps, you know, um, we don't have to quit our jobs, quit our environment and change countries or anything. Sometimes we do have to do that, but we don't have to do that to, to make a difference. One thing that I would love everybody to start doing is in your workplace, there's a coffee machine, take out this dairy milk, honestly, mm -hmm. like replace it with oat, rice, almond, soy, whatever is affordable and clean, but do it. I would love to see that because there is no reason why we should have this dairy in our lives. There's no reason why we should have dairy in our coffee. So I Especially understand. Especially with the amount of variety that's available these yes, days. Yes, I mean, nowadays, like there's no excuse anymore. Um, dairy is one of the worst yes. offenders in terms of health. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really an easy step. I understand some people, a lot of people are addicted to cheese. And today we don't yet have access to, you know, the same, you know, on par vegan cheese. Yeah. Um, so I understand this is a, a little more tricky, but milk, this is it. Yeah. This is out. So I would love to see more people taking this step in the, the school, maybe parents, um, educating teachers, mm. speaking to other parents, um, you know, taking sustainability steps and um, and we can all do that. But why I call um, the brand Let Us Be Heroes, it is about doing our best self. It's not about being a hero. It's not like because you're doing something mm -hmm. good. Okay, you're a hero. That's it. Great job. No, it's about really putting your best self forward and doing more than we think we can do. So, of course, it's good to take baby steps. If you keep on taking more and you're going mm. into the right direction, but we are adults, we are grown ups. Uh, we have we make adult decision, grown up decision on a daily basis. So we should take really grown up steps. Yeah. So 
Let Us Be mm-hmm. Heroes is really about encouraging people to take bigger steps. Yes. You know, not we, we can't be complacent with little efforts. I'm sorry. Um, but Agreed. yes, of course, little efforts is better than no efforts. And yes, if everybody in the world did little efforts, it would be great. But this is very delusional thinking yes. because the urgency that we are facing mm-hmm. when it comes to the climate crisis, when it comes to the depletion of, of Earth resources, and our children and ourselves are the first ones that are going to pay for it. We are impacting other people's, other people's lives in other countries, and we might not see it. But why would other people, nations often that contribute the least to climate change, why are they paying the, 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 the biggest price, right? Uh, this is not fair, and it is in our hands. So I uh, truly encourage everybody to take bigger steps. And I think, honestly, becoming plant-based is not even a huge step. Mm. It might look overwhelming, but when you focus on what you will gain, you will gain more clarity, more energy, you will feel better, and you will learn also more things. You will eat more variety of foods. You will enjoy foods that you didn't enjoy before. Um, you will experience things in a new way. That's very, very exciting. So again, becoming plant-based, becoming vegan, is, um, is a very small step considering the odds that we are facing, what is at stake. And then, of course, this is important, no matter what we believe in. And the next step is get get involved, you know, get involved with your communities. Listen to what, you know, what sings to your heart. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's going to be working with, you know, single mothers or with um, people with disabilities mm-hmm. or with people who are um, environmentalists, etc. But we all need to be mobilized. We mm-hmm. all need to be involved mm. across the board because mm. our apathy is really running us down. Yeah. It is threatening our existence. It's threatening the, our well-being. And um, I just wish that people understand that. And there's no such thing as blissful ignorance. There's no such thing as, oh, it's not happening to me. Um, we need to get involved. So find your passion, you know, the project. It can be anything. It can be water. It can be, um, you know, reducing whatever the aircon it can be anything (laughs) but be consistent as well this is not the only thing it's not because we pick one thing that that's the only thing for me i try to be um, a lot more open and involved with uh, other movements and support other movements let's say you know the immigrants issues Mm. um lgbtq like abuse against them like Mm. this is something that is um everybody needs to speak um against that and everybody needs to to be living in more solidarity Mm. with everyone. And so that's what it means. We don't need everybody to step up. Uh, We need most people uh, to do that. So um, I really hope that we're going to see, yeah, more inspiration. And I I hope when I speak, I hope that I'm speaking to some of the leaders of tomorrow and someone in the room is going to be one day like someone who's going to create massive impact, you know, like much bigger than, you know, we can uh, imagine. So... um, Mm. I'm an optimist. Yeah, same. I think I'm an yeah. optimist as well. I mean, with someone like Greta Thunberg who mm-hmm. really made waves just by her standing outside the the Swedish was it Swedish Parliament? Yes. Uh, I mean, Swedish, for someone right. like that, she started a whole movement, uh, global movement. So I think, I exactly. think there's there's reason to be optimistic in this day and age because information is free and information is everywhere. You just need to choose to look. Mm-hmm. and then you will find so i just want to wrap up with this final question and this is something that i ask everyone what does being awake mean to you 
<laughs> Another loaded one. <laughs> I love it. I think we all have uh, different definitions,、uh, but being awake in a spiritual term is that the question? Any, any, any it's it's so open. So for me, it's、uh, it's spiritual.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, being awake is、um, is a process. It's not something that okay, I'm awake and now what? You know, it it doesn't happen that like that. There are several degrees of being awake, and there are a lot of different layers. So I would say on a journey to awakening. It's about becoming who you are at your core. It's about unlearning a lot of the things that you know we are taught,、uh, questioning it, challenge, challenging it.、Um, being awake means acting in full alignment with who you are and what you believe in,、um, from the way you eat to the way you speak to the way you consume media. To the way you consume content, to the way you、um, interact with others,、um, so it, being awake is is not something for me at the moment that I'm looking at at something remote, and you have to be completely remote from everything, do nothing, and meditate ten hours a day, and then you will be awake. It's really something that is in action every day. It's when you walk, it's when you talk, it's when you,、um, yeah, when you get on about your everyday life and how you're going to to show. And inspire possibly kindness and for you know for a better world. So that's that that's what I'm looking at at the moment.、Um, it's understanding that we are part of the universe, that there are laws of the universe that are、um, in place. We like it or not, we believe it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still there.、Uh, we are not free from the consequences of our choices.、Um, so, for example. In the context of food, you may think, "Oh, but I can get away with a little bit of animal products in my diet." And you might, but are you free from the consequences? Are you free from creating the violence? Are you free from, you know, putting this violence in your body, in your energy field? And、um, the answer is no, of course. So, I think a lot. I see a lot of people actually on、uh, an awakening path. It looks different for everybody, but I think ultimately it's all the same thing. One hundred percent. So, for people that want to know more about what you do, how can they follow you or find you online?、Um, so, across all social media, it's、uh, at Let Us Be Heroes. I'm. I would say I would. I'm more active on Instagram,、mm. um, but as, there's also a Facebook page. There is a Twitter.、Um, I would say for someone who would like to know more.、Um, There's the website www.letusbeheroes.com, and、uh, I also list there、um, as resources、um, a list of documentaries and content、um, that I encourage people to 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 watch and to learn to to learn more about the topic. If you are based in Singapore, even Hong Kong,、um, quite easy, or in Southeast Asia, I'm happy to come over and、uh, give a talk. Uh, for free to your school, to your、um, workplace.、Um, what works really well these days is a screening of Let Us Be Heroes plus a、oh, cool. discussion、uh, in the end. So I'm available. That's it.、Oh, <laughs> fantastic,、wow. fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your work and your friendship as well. And、uh, Emily and I look forward to supporting you even more in in all your ventures and and to seeing you know having this conversation maybe two three years from now and you're probably. 
three films we're gonna later. have so much no no not necessarily like the quantity but the next one i'm really really focusing yeah. on making it very impactful so awesome. yeah there will be a lot Sorry. more to share i think on both sides yeah. and uh, thank you for doing that thank you for you know getting the word out there making this podcast this is really exciting yeah we, we do our thing you do your thing and hopefully collectively we can shed some light into this what may seem like a dark world but, but I think uh, I like you uh, like what you said I, I'm optimistic yeah there's a and lot you, of you beautiful have, people doing yeah, incredible yeah, things exactly. you have to be I think yes. you have to be mm-hmm. awesome thank you thank you I really hope you got something from our chat with Rebecca know that every little bit you do counts do check out Rebecca's work and make sure you watch Let Us Be Heroes available free on YouTube For more information, any links or resources mentioned in this episode, or to find out how to connect with Rebecca, visit awakemethod.com slash podcast. Until the next episode, as always, live once, eat plants.